0: hey guys it's katie and mandy welcome to the dirty britches minisode hello everybody welcome back it's another dirty britch hi everybody hello hello (laughs) So this time we are going to be talking about a contemporary Dirty Britch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're also going to do a little compare and contrast. It is we're at least recording this in Women's History Month. Who knows when people will end up listening to this over time. But um, it is Women's History Month. Yeah. and Happy Women's so, History Month. Yeah. Do you so think let's Women's History
1: Month saw this coming? Like, good. I'll take you Women's History Month and I'll see you. One more, learning about (laughs) shitty white ladies and lifting that story up in Women's History
0: Month. We're going to learn about the whole history. And also, I mean, I think this doesn't really even probably need to be said with the focus of our podcast, but if you are listening in Women's History Month and you have a commitment to learn about some more of women's history, please don't just learn about white women. Yeah, One. Great, of course. Like, yes. <laughs> let's seek out some history of non-white women. And then let's also not gloss over. The dirtiness of the white women that we have already been going over, but let's exactly. just do an honest and well-rounded Women's History Month and make a commitment to that. So I love it. There we go. Who are we going to start with? Do we want to start with our dirty bridge or our thinking, bad bridge? I oh, whoops, sorry. I just, <laughs> in a good way.
1: I, I let's start with I. I'd rather like start good and then get dirty. There's something about like yeah. Let's start happy and then we can end
0: <laughs> end in okay. the gutter. <laughs> That's perfect. Okay, with you. okay. So I wanted to talk about Wilma Mankiller. And I got this idea from um, an Instagram anti-racist educator platform that I follow. And I would encourage you all to follow her on Instagram. It's called check your privilege. And I think it's CK. And then your privilege is the handle. Um, it is run by a woman named Maisha Hill. She's amazing. amazing. She also amazing, amazing. Yeah. offers a lot of different seminars that you can sign up for um, that she runs. And I'm in one of them right now. It's called Check Your Privilege, Creating Equity. It's fantastic. I highly recommend Her Instagram feed has endless amounts of education. And then if you want to get more personal with it, sign up for her stuff. Um, But her challenge today was to learn about Wilma Mankiller and pass on the knowledge to other people. And so I wanted to honor that and do that. Um, So Wilma Mankiller, um, probably what she's most known for is that she was the first female elected as principal chief of the Cherokee nation. So we talked about in our history of women's mm-hmm. suffrage that started with the Hadnasani women, women, Haudenosaunee. The, yeah. the native um, cultures have been very matriarchal, but it's usually the women who chose the chief, but they were men. So she was the first female chief. Um I believe I. this is of a Cherokee Nation, so I guess I can't say for sure if there were other tribes that had female chiefs, but she was at least of the Cherokee Nation. And her history is really, really impressive. So she was born in the 1940s, definitely not a time where women had very many rights still, even though they white women had the right to vote, still very mm-hmm. um patriarchal society and especially native women, I'm sure mm-hmm. had even less. And so her involvement in social um, justice is pretty amazing from where she comes from. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that she did. Just a couple of things that I wanted to highlight. Although, um, wait,
1: can we pause yeah. for just a second? Cause I almost think like the inverse is true. Like the fact that if she's having to navigate, you know, multiple layers of oppression, then I I don't know, I'm almost, I don't want to like presume that people would automatically be like incredible leaders or social justice advocates. But I think that's like, what? I don't know that I'm sure she's incredibly powerful and that women who are facing multiple oppressions are incredibly powerful. So I just want to yeah, yeah. make it like honor the fact that like, often the women who have the least the fewest barriers are doing the least with that.
0: Oh, absolutely yeah no i agree i think that's still true now yeah like okay. when it's easy you just keep on with being easy and when all you've known is hard then you just keep pushing and you it's... keep doing it
1: so um, where was she born sorry i missed that part. she was born in
0: oklahoma okay um she left she got a bachelor's degree in science uh well actually her undergrad was in oklahoma but then she got a bachelor's degree in science, a degree in social studies with an em- emphasis on Indian affairs. Mm-hmm. And then she went to graduate courses at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. Um, she worked on home health, uh, Indian child we- welfare protocols, language services, um, senior citizens programs, youth shelters. So she was really involved in a lot of it. Um, she had a lot of personal just health issues and other devastating um personal things that she battled with too. Like she had polycystic kidney disease. Mm. She ended up having two kidney transplants. Oh she had uh, myasthenia gravis. She had breast cancer. She ultimately died oh of pancreatic God. cancer in 2010. Oh so besides all of the amazing, like outside work that she did, she was battling so many of these things in her own personal work. Wow. She was involved in a car accident. Um, In nineteen seventy nine, in which one of her closest friends was killed. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so I mean, talk about you're just like talk about people who've gone through struggle. There's probably not much. Not that we're having any sort of competition for things here, but
1: Oh God. But it is reminder, like again, if we like I you know, I am not dealing with chemo treatments and i'm not dealing like there's so much that i'm not dealing with and i know it's not a competition and everything to a certain degree is like relative levels of stress but it is just such a reminder like oh my god i have no excuse for not doing
0: more i have
1: none
0: okay but in 1983, she was selected as a running mate for Ross Swimmer, who was the principal chief of the Cherokee Nation at that time. And mm-hmm. he was a Republican, and Mankiller was a Democrat, and he mm-hmm. still asked her to be his running mate, um, and they won. And so she was actually mm-hmm. the first female deputy chief of the nation, too, beginning in 1983. Mm-hmm. And then when he moved on to another appointment, like in the U S government, I can't remember what he did, but in 1995, then she became elected as the mm-hmm. first principal chief of the Cherokee nation. Um, mm-hmm. And there was one part that I wanted to read. Cause I really liked what it said. And I was like, yes, this is what we need to do um, when we are working in communities and it's going to lead to the greatest success, which it did for her. Um, it said she was working in her community. And basically what she did was she went to the communities and asked them, what problems are you having? <laughs> what do you think that we need to address? And how do you think that they could be best addressed? And in mm-hmm. what ways are you able to do this work? What do you need to do this work? So she empowered people by asking them what the problems were, which is never how we seem to address things.
1: It's funny you say that because I've been thinking about this a lot and the the histories of white people generally speaking, but also white women specifically, like asking what groups need but then saying oh that's not what actually would help you this would help you so then you've done two levels of harm you've just asked people to share something with you and ignored it and then you've also started acting in ways that aren't helpful to them and might actually be doubling down on damage in some way so just how common that is especially i think in a lot of like charity work or like charitable organizations just how often it can be like patronizing. Like, well, I know actually what would help you, even though I've never lived in that experience and I don't, you know, I'm not that connected on the ground. I'm going to say that this is actually a better solution or a better use of resources or whatever. It's right. It sounds like she was like a conduit. Like what can, what do
0: you need? And how can I help you leverage or access that? Like, how can I help? Exactly. Because even when I think, we have the inclination to go into communities and ask them what they need. Then we turn, we tend to take over and be like, okay, that's what you need. We'll tell you how to get it. Mm -hmm. Or we'll go about Mm -hmm. doing what we think needs to be done to get you to that point. Instead of saying to the communities, how can I help you do that?
1: Well, and one of the answers might be, I'm thinking about schools here. Like I need teachers to be less racist. You know, like, I need you to change. You're like, well, yeah. what if I do this, though? Like, what if it's this other thing? <laughs> You're like, no, I need you yeah. to stop being racist. <laughs> like, well, it's probably parents don't care enough about education. That's probably what it really is. Like, no, I need you to stop being racist. Like how or, you know, whatever the situation is, it's it's infuriating because I think a lot of times the question or the answer is like, I need you to stop being something or I need you to start acting in a different way. And it's like, oh, well, couldn't it be this other thing? That doesn't yeah. ask anything of me.
0: Right. It's like you go asking the questions, but if we don't get the answers we want, we're just going to tell you what we yeah. intended to do in the first yeah. place. That's not how community building should go. So well, what well, they said, she designed Yeah, she designed and supervised innovative community projects, allowing rural citizens to identify their own challenges and through their labor, participate in solving them. So that's the model that we should definitely follow. Um, That's great. Yeah. She continued through all of that and she was awarded the presidential medal of freedom in 1998 by bill Clinton. So, and then there's one quote that she had that I wanted to finish up with her. She said, the most fulfilled people are the ones who get up every morning and stand for something larger than themselves. Mm -hmm. They are the people who care about others Who will extend a helping hand to someone in need or will speak up about an injustice when they see it? So, Wilma, things. I love it. To strive for Wilma Mankiller. Google, read. She also has apparently an autobiography that is fabulous and I need to look up and would like to get. So, do some work today. Read about Wilma Mankiller for your women's history. And now, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. pivot to the. Things are going to get dark.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we started like, you know, I'm I'm laughing Michelle Obama's quote, you know, when we go, when they go low, we go high. Sometimes I think when they go low, I'll meet them in the gutter and it out. (laughs) I don't always think that. I really don't. I I mean, part of me definitely agrees with her. And then part of me is like, "Mm, you
0: can stay high and I'll get real low. So sometimes I just have to say this is my me being honest. Sometimes I get annoyed that we always take the high ground. I feel like, come on, you just keep getting taken advantage of, like, get down there and play the game, if that's how it's going to be. We keep playing by the rules, and nobody else (laughs) is playing by the rules, so we're never going to win. Anyway, that's probably wrong, but that's my gut instinct is to be like, nope, let's just go. (laughs) Oh, I, I,
1: okay. I hear that. Like, I definitely feel like I'm evenly split in this regard. Like I see the yeah. benefits of both sides. And yeah, so I'm willing to, like in the last few minutes for this mini. sode let's, let's just dive in. No rubber gloves. Let's get it going.
0: Yeah. So Katie texted me um, a couple of days ago <laughs> with the caption, this bridge.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, did. Oh, and so we're going to talk about South Dakota's governor, Christy Nome. I don't know how she says her name. I think it's Noem. I Let's... Uh, N-O-E-M. Yes, yes. Whatever. Okay. Christy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Christy mm-hmm. got herself in the news recently because she spoke at that illustrious conference, CPAC, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and just patted herself on the back about her response in the state of south dakota to handling the coronavirus which is amazing when you look at the data is it one, <laughs> is
1: it one in 500 south dakota more have died? than
0: one in 500 <laughs> residents has died in south horrifying. dakota from the pandemic more mm-hmm. than one in 500 of course she did not enforce a mask mandate um and this has been said to be a failed experiment in herd immunity. um. But she seems to think that she did a good job. So then later she went on Face the Nation mm-hmm. with Margaret Brennan, who took her to task, not as much as I would have liked her to be taken to task. <laughs> um, but she said she brought this up to her and said, how can you explain justifying... You know, you claim to care about the sanctity of life, and then you make decisions that put the health of your constituents at risk. And first of all, she just like shoves that off and is like, oh, you should be asking that to every other governor in this country. And it's like, well, you're the one who's on the show and you're the one who said that you did such a good job. So I'm asking you answer the question. Rule number one in having political debates on both sides, because I'm sure everybody's bad at this. Answer the question. Stop the whataboutisms. Stop the answering a question with an accusation about the other side. Answer the damn question. She never answered the question. Um So then her response was <laughs> Oh wait, so let's talk about what she did in August. Um apparently every year in the summer. Mm-hmm. There's a Sturgis motorcycle rally. Is this right? I don't know anything. about. Yes. It, yeah, yeah. 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 So there's this motorcycle rally. And of course, last August people were like, Hey, maybe not a good idea to have thousands and thousands of people converge. And Christy was like, no dude, let's have the rally. Of course.
1: Yes. Like inviting people to come.
0: Yeah. It says drew nearly half a million people to this motorcycle rally. So there was this study done by San Diego State University, and they found that not only did that probably cause the infection of hundreds of thousands of people, but potentially will involve, when all is said and done, more than $12 billion in healthcare costs from this Mm -hmm. one rally that Christie encouraged everybody to come to her state and attend.
1: Well, the, I don't know the dollar amount on this, but um, I, I've been trying to follow a little bit the news in terms of Midwestern governors, including Iowa's governor, Kim Reynolds, on keeping open meat packing plants, um, which is where mm-hmm. there's been a ton of COVID spread because of like the lack of any safety precautions or giving a shit about human life from the packing plants. And yep. I I think the company is Smithfield and that there was a big outbreak um, and that the Smithfield workers are like, the vast majority of them are immigrant or even refugee uh, people of color and that like over half of the cases in the county where that Smithfield plant is located are connected to that but she has claimed it's you know no 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 it's just spreading in people's families like mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of mo like oh you know these families. You know that they're these big families, and that's how it's spreading. And not oh, you know these horrible safety lack of safety practices in these meatpacking plants. Like that's actually what's causing it. Here in Iowa, there was a scandal because I should look up more details of this, but the I I just can't remember the specific names of the people involved and in, even the name of the plant. But they they got called out for having like a bet over breakouts like they basically the management made it like a game and it's just Mm. so fucking sick that inhumanity of the immigrant like the workers who are predominantly immigrants or refugees that are working in these like really terrible conditions and so here she is like inviting people to this rally not doing fuck all for the workers that are being harmed who can't choose this is what aggravates me so much about this like right to choose well if you are desperate for a job, you don't really have the right to choose to stay home. Or like you can't, you don't have. They're not unionized. They can't make their employers take better care of them. So I don't know. On that level yeah. too, I think there's just like really gross racism attached to the the way that workers have been mistreated in the pandemic, especially workers in meatpacking plants. It's just really, really dark and horrible. And she's yeah. part of that.
0: Yeah, she and Christy get along well. My favorite, oh, I mean, Christie's part of that for sure. Like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. this like slate of, you know, governors, but I think
1: Christy's MO is like, well, let give people the information and let them make the choice. It's like, well, that's, that's just not how the this world works. My,
0: my favorite quote, which I texted Katie back about my favorite is that when she was asked about the San Diego state study, she indicated that. She values allowing people to make decisions for themselves above all else. <laughs> and my response was, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, do you? <laughs> do, do you, Christy? Um, how does that extend to uh, women's reproductive rights? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about women getting to make those choices for themselves above all else? I bet you don't feel that way. Actually, so you know that there's a line that's drawn somewhere, and somehow you draw it at women be able to make personal choices. But when it comes to fucking killing one in 500 of your residents in your state, you don't give a shit. Let people choose. Well, we should look at
1: the proportionality, like trying to stay super focused on racism here, what the proportionality is of people of color. That and black and indigenous people in South Dakota, if they were hit harder, I would guess. Yes, oh, I'm because sure that's just been the general trend. Um, yes. But it, I think that is like that. I think like so many policies right now that activists have been pushing for like government intervention to dismantle longstanding systems of oppression It's like, yeah, you don't you cannot just say to people, oh, you get to choose like that's how a lot of shit happens. It's how we can have more segregation in schools now, even when it's not the law, because residential segregation is allowed like for, you know, make your own choice. You can do white flight. You can send your kids to homeschool. You can you know, send them to these private academies. And so then we have more racial segregation now than we did before Brown versus Board of Education. That's how that happens. So it's just, it's such a, uh, it's like, not only is it hypocritical, but it just is the, it's the attitude that perpetuates longstanding systems of oppression. And it's just, so clearly about like the freedom of choice of people in power to exercise freedom but people who are disempowered or who are marginalized don't have the same access don't have the same choices and so that's just not how it works for them so i'll i'll look more into the meat packing play because that's just been really disturbing in iowa and i'm i knew a little bit about south dakota's Smithfield field but now i'm going to look into it not that we need a part two Christine. Noem. just put her on people's radars as like Yes.
0: Yeah. Mm, Troubling. Bad taste in my
1: mouth. Oh, well. There's (laughs) maybe there's that too. Now I now I'm wishing we had flipped it and like ended with a good taste in our mouth. So I'm going to remember Wilma Mankiller and that's right. Think on that. I'd also be like Wilma.
0: Don't be like Christy. Don't be like Christy.
1: It also because she's in South Dakota, makes me really want to look into her relationship with native people in South Dakota mm, I
0: bet it's not <laughs> lovely I'm gonna, just gonna say <laughs>
1: but yeah, I mean like yeah I'm gonna guess that too uh, well thank you for right, the inspiration and okay. in, you know depression all all in one
0: little bundle appreciate it
1: okay Probably. we'll
0: talk to you later bye bye